Welcome into another episode of A Cali Green Monster Show. I'm your host, Dean Ryan, coming to you here from the Tesla Studios in beautiful, sunny San Diego, California. It is a Monday morning, May 10th, 2021. Comes fresh off the heels of a Mother's Day weekend. So to all you mothers out there, happy Mother's Day or happy belated Mother's Day. You guys are the best. You put up with all the shit from us kids and husbands and just everyone else in the world and continue to be awesome mothers. So thank you for everything that you guys do. You know, special shout out to the amazing mother. That is my wife, Diane. You're an amazing mother to our son and our already to our son that we're expecting in August. So you're the best mom. I love you. And to my mom in heaven, happy Mother's Day. It's our second Mother's Day without you and not a day goes by that I don't think about you. And also happy Mother's Day to my mother-in-law, Clara. You raised an amazing daughter who turned out to be an amazing mother. So happy Mother's Day to you. And happy belated Mother's Day to Pam, my sister-in-law. She, Her and my brother-in-law, Jan, they had their first daughter, Luna, last night. So congratulations on welcoming your daughter into the world. So, you know, it was a nice weekend, nice weekend full of, you know, to celebrate the mothers and, and new people coming into the world. But there was also a bunch of other stuff that happened in the sports world, especially the combat sports world. There was fighting across the UFC, Bellator, the Pro Fighting League. Canelo also defended his three belts at 168 pounds against Billy Joe Saunders on Saturday night at AT AT&T Stadium. So I'm going to talk about all that stuff. But one of the things that also kind of stole headlines yesterday and was something that I was talking about on one of my shows last week was DK Metcalf, wide receiver of the Seattle Seahawks. He was running in this past weekend's like it was US track and fields. It wasn't the the Olympic trials, but it was a qualification to get into the Olympic trials. DK Metcalf is a specimen who impressed everyone last year where he chased down Buda Baker after an interception and it got a lot of people speculating is DK Metcalf one of the fastest people in the country and maybe he'd be able to prove so by trying to make the U.S. Olympic track and field team by running the 100 meters so on Sunday we got to see him racing against you know full-time professional track and field athletes at the 100 meter dash you know in in his semi-final heat he finished nine of nine runners so you know that's the last place running the 100 meter in 10.37 but if you look at all the people that were in the field there were 17 runners in the field between the two races and his time was 15th out of 17 so when you think about it going up against full-time sprinters and a guy who's a lot bigger and you wouldn't expect to be as fast as some of these smaller guys these smaller sprinters that like I said do this for a living it was pretty impressive so although I guess he could be he was humbled in the respect that he's obviously not one of you know world-class sprinter we can't take away from the fact that DK Metcalf is still a stud and you got to respect that he even went out there and was able to do as well as he did so hats off to you DK Metcalf but I'm definitely going to be looking more forward to watching you play football on Sundays than watching you at the Tokyo Olympics so keep your head up it's all good but let's move on to MMA like I said there was a lot of stuff going to going across UFC with UFC on ESPN 24 there was a Bellator and there was also a pro fighting league and some boxing so 
rather than covering everything from all of those i'm just going to highlight on a few things that i thought were interesting and you know because i wasn't able to watch all this but i think you know let's be real a lot of the casual sports fan nowadays with so much stuff to consume and so much content and let's be real we all have real lives i think watching sports on social media and twitter and facebook is starting to become more and more of a common thing so i think that that's kind of that's basically kind of how i watched my mma this weekend and there was a few things that definitely stuck out to me you know on the ufc side and the co-main event donald cerrone he lost again. This was his sixth straight matchup without a victory. You know, this is going his last victory, I think, was against Al Iaquinta. And, you know, last night it was a he got knocked out by or it was more of a TKO finish by Alex Morano. And this was this was a matchup at 170. And one of the things, you know, watching this matchup back, you know, Donald Cerrone definitely kind of had the Kratos from God of War look with the beard and the bald head. But, you know, he didn't have the the Kratos fire. I mean, Donald Cerrone, all hats off to him. I guess all cowboy hats off to him. He's one of my favorite fighters of all time. This is a dude that always brings it. He fights, you know, four or five times a year, even now into his late stage in his career. I think they have to, you know, they're almost like forced to kind of pull the reins in on him because I think he's someone that would continue to fight every two to three months if he had his choice. And, you know, even if you look back at these past, you know, defeats, you know, he's fought the best of the best. You know, before this matchup, he was a no contest to Nico Price. It was a no contest because Nico Price got um, tested positive for marijuana. So I think it was a draw before the no contest. But then if you look back at the rest of the fights, it was a decision loss to Anthony Pettis that was super close. He got TKO'd by Conor McGregor like in the first minute and a half. He had a war, a one-round war with Gaethje where Gaethje was able to put him away by the end of the first round. And then Ferguson where there was TKO by a doctor stoppage because his eye got blown up. So these were all... You know, he's fought tough dudes, so like this Murano is kind of only the first or second guy of these past six matchups that hasn't challenged for a belt in some shape or, or even or held a belt. So, you know, Donald Cerrone still, you know, he hasn't looked completely terrible. You know, I think he still has some left in the gas tank, but I think in terms of moving with his career forward, he's definitely not going to be a title contender. He's not someone that you'd expect to, you know, yeah, really challenge for a belt or really threat threaten any of the top five in either 155 or 170 so i think moving forward there should be two things donald Cerrone should definitely drop down to 155 because if you look at this matchup he just looks smaller than murano and i think the size really made the difference because once murano was able to pop him with a power shot there was really nothing Cerrone could do he definitely looked lankier than murano and so even though he probably had <clears throat> more experience and maybe a little bit more weapons and in his arsenal i think the power was a little too much so i would advise maybe donald serrano going down back to 155 where he's had most success in his career but then again at this age i don't know if 155 is feasible for him to be able to reach you know he's a professional and has never really had issues cutting weight so i don't think it'd be too much of an issue but i would like to see him down at 155 and then I would like to see him fighting more like veterans, like more nostalgia fights. You know, he was going to be going up against Diego Sanchez. I thought that was going to be like the perfect matchup for both dudes. And I mean, shit, bringing up Diego Sanchez, I think I'll pause 
for a minute a, mi- a second on that i'll go back to diego sanchez but basically cowboy cerrone i think should be fighting dudes like that you know i heard dan hardy is someone that wants to come out of retirement for one fight you know i'd like to see maybe fight dan hardy you know kind of like how matt brown i feel like towards the end of his career he was an exciting dude that was not going to threaten for titles but they kept putting him in there with exciting matchups against other fellow veterans so i'd like to see that kind of situation play out for donald cerrone because yeah even though he's at the tail end of his career i still feel like he's got a little bit left in the gas tank to at least go out there make a few more paychecks and still entertain us because he still does have an entertaining fighting style but you know if he were to get finished in a brutal fashion in his next matchup or something like that and really shows that he's got really nothing left then maybe it'll be time to call it quits but as of right now i'm still down to watch cowboy go out there for at least a few more times and as i mentioned diego sanchez so last week I had brought up the story about how Diego Sanchez felt like, you know, he got cut when him and his manager were inquiring about his medical records and, you know, went off and kind of said that he thinks that the UFC is going to try to kill him. And there's obviously some issues there with Diego, whether he's kind of already kind of a, a weird dude, weird, like kind of a loose cannon guy in general, or whether this is the results of the years of combat sports and abuse on his brain and possible CTE. We don't know. But over the weekend on social media, there was a video that was circulating that I think it was originally on YouTube, but the poster said that it was taken down from YouTube. But it basically shows Diego Sanchez hanging upside down in his weird manager. I forget the guy's name, and I don't even want to put it out there because I don't want to give this guy publicity. But he's basically just like kicking Diego, like Diego Sanchez hanging upside down, and this guy's just like roundhouse kicking Diego Sanchez and punching him and like it was weird as fuck like it was something you would expect to see like in a rocky training segment and like seeing what the bad guys doing just like oh I'm a machine looking nothing hurts like you know it was definitely fucked up and for a guy that a lot of people are worrying about you know his mental health and just his overall physical health from the years of MMA and abuse It was definitely kind of a disturbing video. So hopefully people close to Diego Sanchez, I hope someone can, you know, reach out to him and try to help him because he definitely, you know, there's red flags coming out from that way. And hopefully Diego can get some help before something even more fucked up comes out of his camp or Diego Sanchez being tied to a story that's, you know, more upsetting and tragic than watching him get roundhouse kicked while hanging upside down, which was already upsetting enough. So in the Bellator ring, Anthony Rumble Johnson, he returned for his first fight in four years. He retired from the UFC about four years ago. I think he was to go into the medical marijuana industry. So I don't know how successful that venture went. It was, but he, you know, and he even admitted that he was fat and happy in retirement. But with a nickname like Rumble, I guess, you know, it's you can't. You know, maybe you got to scratch that itch and go knock a few people out. So he entered the light heavyweight Grand Prix tournament that Bellator's putting on. So on this weekend, he fought in the quarterfinals against Jose Augusto. And it was, dude, it was, it was a pretty exciting fight. Rumble Johnson got the knockout win 90 seconds into the second round, but it wasn't without, you know, him really having to dig deep and show that you know he does have a chin and that he actually can navigate the rough waters i think a lot of people think that rumble johnson when things are aren't going his way 
that he tends to just kind of quit. That's why there's a lot of submission loss victories on his record if you look at, like, his losses. But, you know, he really weathered a storm here. You know, like, towards the end of the first round, he got lit up, and Augusta was just all over him. And it looked like he was going to finish Rumble Johnson. And all credit to the referee because the referee could have stepped in and called the fight, but he let Rumble recover, and Rumble recovered, man. And he was able to get out of the first round. You know, it was a round where I feel like both dudes really hurt each other and it was exciting. And Rumble was able to come out and eventually connect with this powerful right hand and put this dude down. So it was, you know, a pretty interesting, pretty interesting fight. It was an exciting fight and it's setting him up now to go to the semifinals. And what I think is kind of weird about this Grand Prix and how it works is that, you know, this was a quarterfinal matchup and it was ended up being a five round match. So I would think that for a Grand Prix tournament, you'd only want the guys fighting in like three rounds to hopefully not put too much like damage on their bodies so they can move on through the tournament. Because I figure the only reason to have a Grand Prix is to be able to crown a champion or a tournament champion or to crown a number one contender to fight the champion. So fighting in a five-round match in the quarterfinals I thought was an interesting move. And then now... This victory sets up a matchup with the current champion, Vadim Nemkov. So now his semifinal matchup is technically a title fight, at least from my understanding and from what I've read. So it's like it's kind of interesting what is the whole point to this Grand Prix if you're going to be setting up to, you know, like I said, fight the champion in the semifinals. So. I don't know. We'll see. You know, I think it's at least we're going to see Rumble Johnson fight the best dude that Bellator has to offer at 205. And we don't have to wait till the finals to do it. Or we don't have to wait to see, you know, Rumble Johnson get upset. You know, I feel like the history right or the recent history of ufc veterans outside of the ufc hasn't been too great you know recently we saw eddie alvarez have two unfortunate matchups in one fc one that was a no contest or that it was a disqualification from punches to the back of the head and then he lost a matchup by decision mighty mouse got finished so there's a lot of you know ufc dudes that you know i think these newer promotions have big plans for and the ufc guys i mean hey it takes one punch with these little gloves for the tide to change and you know so and it's not professional wrestling we're professional wrestling you can book how things are going to go so i think it's right away we're going to get rumble johnson fighting for the belt after this pretty good matchup in the quarterfinal and then another exciting fighter on the bellator roster was on there michael venom page he fought Derek Anderson and completely flattened this dude's nose. It was another exciting must-watch performance for Michael Venom Page. Regardless of what you think of the competition that he faces in Bellator, I feel like he's definitely must-watch TV whenever you watch. He has a flashy style. I mean, there was one time where he caved the dude's freaking forehead in, and then this was another memorable moment. You know, this Derek Anderson's a tough dude. He's never been finished. But Michael Page, he, you know, flicked him with a nice head kick right on the nose. And in the slow motion replay, you see Anderson's nose go from a normal nose to completely flat. It was bloody. You know, he 
you got to give him credit. He exchanged with Venom Page the entire first round and kept bringing it. But there was a corner. I, th- I don't know if it was a corner or a doctor stoppage, but basically his nose was so destroyed to shit. It was like, hey, Venom Page, you know, it, it, basically if they would have thrown Anderson back out there, it would have just been to take more abuse. So, you know, moving forward, I would definitely like to see Venom Page fight, you know, some more a better competition you know the only loss on his record is to the champion douglas lima so you know i would definitely like to see him matched up with lima again if we can't you know there's this guy yaroslav amasov he's 25 and 0 and he's the only guy that's ranked ahead of venom page in the bellator's rankings from what i read about him he seems to have a sambo background with a lot more of like submission and grappling so maybe they're trying to keep venom page away from him because that could potentially be a boring matchup but you know i think we got at this point we got what is venom page is he just a sideshow that's there to just kind of beat jobbers and you know that's exciting and do highlight reels or are we trying to is this guy trying to be built up as one of the best you know mma guys in the world because at this point he's more of just you know like if like i always like to do the professional wrestling analogy he's kind of like the flashy mid carter a guy that's really exciting someone that you show up someone that's going to win the intercontinental belt but not someone that you're like oh he's going to win the title so you know like i said i think if he were to go in and you know get a victory over someone like like lima or amasov that would really kind of change the narrative and you know probably push him at that upper echelon and kind of in the discussion of a top 170 pound dude so you know but either way he got he did his business regardless of who was across the ring from him he did his job and you know you got to give him credit for that it was definitely fun to watch and then in the pro fight league Fabricio Verdum submission ace you know one of the best submission fighters in MMA heavyweight former heavy UFC heavyweight champion you know guy that choked up Fedor Emelianenko so Fedor or not Fedor but Verdum has had one of the best careers that you could think of as for an MMA heavyweight but you know in his debut there was in pro fight league there was definitely some controversy where it looked like he had a submission locked up on Henan Ferreira he had like a triangle armbar going on and it looked like the Ferreira tapped but the ref didn't see it and so after the tap According to Verdum, after the fight, he less he loosened his submission, which resulted in him getting hammer fist TKO'd. So, you know, the first I saw of this was I think Roy Big Country Nelson had shared it on his Twitter. And, like, right away I was like, well, that looked like a tap. Like, so it was definitely shady. And it was definitely unfortunate that the referee couldn't see it. Verdum's camp is already appealing it. And I think that what's a bummer is the way the pro fight league is set up is that they set it up kind of like an actual, you know, like a sports season where your wins count for points and then it qualifies you for a playoff. So with for even if he gets this turned into a no contest, he's still not going to get any points from this, this matchup. So it already kind of sets him off on a wrong footing for this season of the pro fight league. So we'll kind of see how that turns out. It was, like I said, it was just definitely unfortunate that the referee <clears throat> didn't catch the submission. But, man, I mean, the referee do, does need to put himself in a better position because, I mean, you need to be able to, you know, be in a position to be able to see where the guy's hands are to, if there is in the event of a tap, especially when you got a guy like Verdum who – I don't even know how many submission victories he's had, but it's dozens, I th- I believe, at this point. He's probably got the most submission victories in heavyweight, you know, MMA history, 
arguably maybe besides like a Minotaro Noguera or something like that or Frank Mir. But, <clears throat> you know, I, I think that the referee, you know, it was his, you know, responsibility to, yeah, like to kind of be aware of the whole situation. So it is a bummer for Verdum. Hopefully they do get that overturned. And, you know, he's still one of the best guys. And we'll see, you know, how it is moving forward and how the pro fight league system how his like I guess season moves forward but I feel like it's probably going to be some loose rules where let's be real Verdum's probably one of the biggest names that they have there and you know they're going to find a way to keep him moving on and before I get out of here Canelo he fought on Saturday night and you know he stopped Billy Joe Saunders Billy Joe Saunders corner threw in the towel after the eighth round you know it was a close matchup you know, it was arguably the closest matchup that Canelo's had since he fought Triple G. And, you know, he's honestly the bet. The one if you take away from this matchup is Canelo is so damn good at boxing. A lot of people like to tout how good Floyd Mayweather's defense is. And if you do the slow motion of how his body movement, head movement, and how he can avoid punches, you know, Canelo can do the same things while also having that aggressive Mexican fighting style just in your face and always bringing it you know canelo is definitely a pay-per-view star he's definitely worth the price of admission you know he is so good at boxing that's kind of like the biggest takeaway you know saunders is tough but canelo blasting him with an uppercut that immediately looks like it it broke saunders cheekbone or orbital because his eye completely blew up and that was the result of reason that they stopped the fight so you know Canelo, eighth round TKO. With that, he's now the WBO, the WBA, and the WBC champion at 168 pounds. And he seems to already have his target set on Caleb Plant. He's the undefeated IBF uh, champion. So Canelo's trying to go and unify all four belts across all the different, you know, boxing, boxing, legislate, whatever body bodies or whatever they call it you know i think it's kind of weird that there are so many different belts for the one weight class but it seems like canelo's at least in the process of of stamping out who the actual champion is at that weight class regardless of which belt is which so all right i think that's all i got for you to hear on this monday you know we talked to yeah we talked about all, all sorts of fighting we even talked some track and field all right. If you enjoyed what you listened to, as always, be a friend, tell a friend. But until next time, I've been your host, Dean Ryan. This has been a Cali Green Monster show coming to you from the Tesla Studios in beautiful, sunny San Diego, California. Have a great one, guys. Peace.